As Comcast's cable TV business fades, it focuses on Peacock and the Roku model. YouTube continues its assault on the television and NAB is back with new streaming media themes. Listen on to hear more. This week's edition of Inside the Stream. This is Will Richmond from Video News, and that was the voice of Colin Dixon from Endscreen Media at the top, back from NAB Show. Hey, Colin. I love that. The voice of Colin Dixon. <laughs> yes. Uh, the voice of Colin Dixon. Not Colin Dixon, the voice of Colin just Dixon. Just the disembodied voice. Um, yes, I'm back from NAB, and I'm, we're going to take some time uh, in the second half of the podcast today to chat a little bit, little bit about some of the things that I saw there, Will. It was so great to actually be in, at an in-person live event. It was great to run into a whole bunch of old friends. I ran into several people who had been listening to the podcast and uh, they were. We, we had some great chats about some of the things that they're seeing as well. So it was great to run into them at the, at the conferences. So please, if you see us at the conferences, come over and say hi if you're listening to the podcast. We'd love to talk to you. But uh, Anyway, I think we've got a lot to talk about today. We're going to be talking about Google. We're going to be talking about Comcast and, of course, NAB. Uh, so it's going to be a busy a busy chat today, Will. Yeah, so let's get right into it, Colin. Comcast reported its earnings. We're recording here on Thursday, and you have the highlights. I do have the highlights. So we'll start with the numbers, and particularly we'll focus on video and uh, they certainly didn't focus on video in the earnings call or in the investor newsletter. And there's a good reason for that, because actually uh, losses are accelerating. They lost another half a million subscribers to video in the quarter, actually 512,000. That's down 2.8% quarter over quarter and down 8.7%. Uh, uh, year over year. In the last year, they've lost oh, 1.5 million, I think, something like that, uh, 1.5 million subscribers. And looking at the data, Will, honestly, each quarter is just a little, the losses are a little bit higher than the same quarter in the previous year. So this definitely seems to be a long-term trend. Uh, and understandably, they're changing their focus. They're really focusing now on Peacock, which actually they said had a very good quarter, primarily due to Super Bowl and to the Winter Olympics. They say they grew monthly active users to 28 million. That's from 24.5 million at the end of 2021. And they grew paid subscribers to 13 million from 9 million in the previous quarter. So they had a great uh, a great quarter there for Peacock. Um, they also highlighted one of the things that we've talked about on the podcast, which was that we'd be, we were critical of them and continuing to allow the best of, of NBC content showing up in, Peacock, in Hulu first. Well, that deal is now unraveling. And they said that the, the Peacock will be the exclusive home of next day NBC broadcast content starting in the fall. So that should help Peacock along as well. So all in all, it looks to me like it was a pretty good quarter for Peacock. They also announced a very interesting deal yesterday 
with charter and again we've talked about flex and we've talked obviously we've talked about peacock and we've talked about comcast moving tentatively into the streaming platform market well they've formed a jv and that jv is with charter and what they're doing is they're moving a lot of those video platform businesses um, into this jv it doesn't have a name yet so basically what Comcast is doing is it's contributing a license to Flex, which is its video, its software cloud video platform to the JV. And it will also contribute retail businesses for its X-Class TVs. And it's also moving Zumo, which is its free ad-supported streaming service to the, to the JV. And Charter will contribute 900 million over the next uh, multiple years. So they're really taking a run at Roku and Vizio in the video platform market. Will I don't know if there's room for another one, but uh, they're certainly taking a run at it. So very busy yeah. quarter, I think, for Comcast. Some of it, I think, really positive, and maybe some of it a bit questionable. Oh, and one other thing, Will. Uh, the broadband growth has actually appears to be slowing. They did gain, gain subscribers, 262,000 in the quarter. But in the same quarter last year, they gained 434. So it looks like some of that broadband growth is cooling. Uh, I guess it couldn't go on forever, but uh, they're, they're st they are still getting some growth. Right. I guess um, that was related to coming out of COVID also, they said that um, the numbers uh, were inevitably going to slow down. But what about this JV, Colin? I, I'm sort of intrigued by this. Um, I, you know, is there, you think there's really, you mentioned it's pretty competitive. You think there's really room for yet another player to, for someone to, for instance, walk into Walmart and be presented with yet another option for a streaming uh, video device? Well, so my initial impression is no there really isn't room for somebody else to make a big splash in this market i will however say they might get some market share and that's really because i was looking at some data um, earlier this week that shows that the real motivations behind people when they buy a television remain what they have been forever which is picture picture quality screen size and cost and so really the smart TV functionality still isn't, a, uh, I think, a real decision point for people. Now, that said, all other things being equal, I'm sure that people would go, would be paying a lot more attention to smart TV. And, and if they were, I think that that would be a big disadvantage for this JV because it's an unknown platform, right? People will probably want to go with something that was driven by Roku or, or you know, a Samsung, something that they're very familiar with, uh, or Fire TV. Uh, but they're not. It seems like that is not a deciding factor. So if Comcast TVs and, devi uh, and devices are, are very good and, and give a great picture quality, Maybe there's an opportunity for them to carve out some market share, but it's hard to believe that they would they would rise to the to the status of a Roku or Fire TV anytime soon. Yeah, you think they're going to be branding those devices as Comcast devices, or is there going to be some brand new name? And if it's a brand new name, that 
speaks to what you just said. I mean, if consumers don't have any awareness of it. Right. Of I mean, since they've moved this stuff into a JV, I'm assuming they're going to give the JV some sort of compelling brand name. I'm guessing that they'll yeah. probably go with that. And I don't know if that's much of a disadvantage or an advantage. I, I don't know, Will, but uh, you, you're right. I mean, that, that could be another barrier to people accepting it if they just don't know the name. Interesting. Well, it's going to be, um, we'll have to watch how that one develops. It, uh, it seems like there's still a bunch of open questions. Very much so. Very much so. So anyway, what's, go- what's going on with Google? They announced results this week and we've got some new data around YouTube. What's going on there? Yeah, really focusing on YouTube. Alphabet reported its earnings earlier this week. And um, just again, focus on YouTube revenue in the quarter was up 14%. Uh, to 6.9 billion, <clears throat> excuse me, that 14% is a deceleration from the past, but they said that that was kind of to be expected given that they were, in their words, lapping Q1 21, which was a really strong quarter, and they saw some softness in their direct response advertising, uh, although the branding remained strong. So um, a few other numbers to share from the uh, Alphabet earnings report, and then I want to also talk about some really interesting research about YouTube consumption that was released by Pixability this week, um, a report that's uh, freely available for download. But um, so back on Alphabet, uh, they reiterate, I think they've said this before, 135 million connected TV viewers in December and a total of 2 billion logged in viewers per month. Uh, You and I were trying to do a little bit of basic math earlier before we got started if there are 135 million connected TV viewers, uh, that's just in the U.S. They also said that there are 700 million hours per day of YouTube being consumed on TV. You know that you know it can't be just spread on the U.S. There has to be a, a global number. If it were the U.S. only, it would be five hours per day, which seems really, really high, unrealistically high. Even if there were another 135 million CTV viewers internationally, which there probably aren't that would still be over two hours a day yep. of viewing of YouTube. And and that seems high, doesn't it, Colin? So we weren't sure exactly what to make of those numbers. Yeah, yeah, that's way high, Will. Um, even, in the, even, you know, even looking at uh, Roku, I think the Roku numbers are nowhere near that. I think they're more like three and a half hours or something like that of viewing through Roku's on a daily basis through uh, through that platform. So that would be really surprising if it were that high. Yeah. Although the um, just jumping around a little bit back and forth here, the Pixability research said that 87% of consumers now watch YouTube. Um, and they said it's an hour per day watched. But, um, you know, again, that's their that's their survey. Uh, and that there are over a dozen content categories that um, are uh, accessed by by viewers on average. And they said 83% of viewers watch some YouTube on their TVs. That's second only to the mobile, um, to, to mobile devices. YouTube obviously is still huge on mobile. So Pixability added some um, color to this. They also noted just tangentially that um, their survey uh, revealed only 25% of consumers expect to be subscribing to cable TV in a few years, um, even lower for uh, Gen X and um, Gen Z. So uh, 
So those were that Pixability report is available as a complimentary download, and I think is really well done and definitely worth checking out. Um, just bouncing back to what Alphabet re- uh, reported for YouTube, because um, I think this is also meaningful in terms of the, the evolution of what YouTube actually is, uh, which is YouTube Shorts. This is the short form uh, uh, feature that they announced that competes with TikTok. They said are now up to 30 billion views per day, and that's four times the level that it was just a year ago. So shorts are a big part of um, YouTube now, and uh, the missing piece there is that doesn't. They said that the shorts don't monetize yet the way uh, regular YouTube videos do or YouTube on TV does. So, so they've got some work to do with YouTube Shorts, but they uh, are launched globally now, over a hundred countries. They said, and um, seems like pretty big progress in a pretty short period of time. It sure does. And just looping back on that Pixability data, will. That certainly seems to mesh with what we're seeing, like we talked about Comcast and the quite rapid decline now in video viewers that they're seeing. There was one other stat that I wanted to highlight there that I thought was really indicative of the, of the real drive now towards internet TV, and that's that they say that 50% of 18 to 44-year-olds in the US who currently subscribe to cable or satellite plan to cancel their subscription this year. So when you when you couple that with... The 25% who, th- who think that they'll be left still watching cable or satellite TV in five years. Um, wow, that certainly seems to be confirmed in the data that we're actually seeing in the market. I, I should just say when people say they're going to cancel, you know, yeah. they don't always do it. But that said, um, you know, we're talking about a five-year span here and really the rapid migration of the entire TV ecosystem, even looking at the behavior of cable providers like Comcast as they migrate rapidly towards Peacock being their lead service. uh, You know, I've got to say that I'm starting to believe these numbers are true. It's funny, I did a forecast of what would happen with pay TV uh, in I think about oh ten years ago now with with their decline and uh, I think I was about two or three years out but I think we're getting into the territory that I thought we would be, we would be in with the decline so boy it really seems like it's uh, accelerating now yeah I agree though you do have to note that people don't always follow through on what they say they're going to do and fifty percent that means half of these younger uh, viewers saying that they're going to cancel within the year. It does strike me as being awfully high. We'll have to see how that turns out. It does It does seem to be high, but I think it's probably a reflection of the usage, Will. And, and if you look at the numbers, particularly in the millennial range, slightly younger than the 44-year-olds, if you look at the usage, it's really minimal now among many, many uh, young people. They really don't use pay television at all or very, very little. And when you have when you have pay TV continuing to be extremely expensive, there has to be a compelling reason to hang on to it. And I think that's one of the reasons why we're we're seeing the numbers coming back. People saying what they're doing, and sport is going to be critical here. And more and more sport is showing up online. So you know we've got Sinclair launching their service for RSN RSN Sports um, Regional Sports Networks later this year, which will contain their content. 
more and more is coming online so there's less and less reason to hang on to that pay tv subscription so uh, could be could be that uh, those numbers that we're seeing from pixability now uh, maybe it's forecasting some some interesting ground for traditional pay tv in the next few years yeah and again listeners that pixability report is available as a complimentary download uh, just go to pixability.com it's featured there and um you know again i think very worthwhile anybody trying to understand this youtube juggernaut that you and i have been talking about the growth uh, for several years now it's it's really quite amazing so fixability yeah, yeah. helps to put some context around that yep um, we'll include links actually I, I certainly include link to those reports actually there's one for the us and one for the uk i'll include that link uh when i post this on my site and i'm sure we'll will will too yep absolutely well meanwhile colin we uh, wanted to also touch base about your observations at NAB show, which you attended. You mentioned uh, at the top of the podcast there. Um, so, you know, we've got about, I don't know, five, 10 minutes, give or take. So why don't you share some of your key observations? Yeah, I, I certainly love to give a sort of overview of some of the big themes I saw at the show. And there were some pretty interesting themes. I spent a heck of a lot of time in the New West Hall at the Las Vegas Convention Center visiting, oh, I think I had something like 25 meetings in the two days that I was there. So it was pretty intense, Will. But there were some very clear themes. One for, one of the first themes was that in, in years past, I think in the last uh, NAB back in 2018, 2019, I guess it was. No, I guess it was 2018. Goodness me. Yes. Um there was a lot. We t- I talked a lot about the innovations that we're seeing in AI. Uh, well, I don't say the innovations are over, that they're ongoing, but it's certainly nothing novel. It shows up everywhere. Everywhere I looked, there was AI underpinning the data processing, video processing, and a lot of the, f- a lot of the optimization of the flow of the video through. Uh, through the value chain. So that is now table stakes. You've got to have AI and machine learning, I think, driving your business. Another big trend was cloud. Uh, There's a continuing move towards the cloud. I met with uh, First Light Media and they've, they've done a deal with Google where they're leveraging a lot of Google cloud infrastructure to move the video uh, workflow into the cloud. Uh, another company called The Switch, um, uh, they're leaning into the move to make production for video uh, uh, remote, allow that to occur remotely. And that, of course, was kickstarted by COVID when everybody was staying at home and they were trying to can keep the video production going. That looks like it's going to be permanent. Uh, another big uh, another big movement was measurement. Um and that showed up in many, many different ways. Uh, first, I'd say that I met with Bright Cove. I met with Marty Roberts, who uh, who's over at Bright Cove. And uh, they, of course, specialize. Um, his, his company, Wicket Labs, was purchased by Bright Cove last year. They really specialize in management. And uh, he told me that uh, churn rates, he said, are going down. He said they're now about 7.6% per month for the average SVOD service, uh, average uh, video service that, that they're managing. And another company, Sim SimWave, boy, they, they're a company that really specializes in video quality measurement, Will. And they had a great new tool called VQ Dial, which I really liked. And they basically with this, you can 
dial up the quality that you want and they will automatically set the encoders to match that quality. And they work with the providers, providers, um, encoders they don't provide the encoders so they that's that's pretty interesting so and they their big thing is they're really looking at what the user sees so they're able to optimize by what you see not by bit rates that's not that's not the key key factor there and they're able to actually of course measure the quality very accurately uh, so that's how that showed up another thing was data data was all over the place. It's really a major driver of our business. I saw it in a, an amazing new tool from Gracenote called Audience Predict. And this is, if you're a programmer, you need to get over and take a look at Gracenote's audio Audience Predict. This tool allows you to take a show and you know profile it in the tool and then try try and see how it will do in various placements in your schedule and they give you a really good idea of what what size audience you'll get in what particular target audience you're interested in for that show it really was pretty amazing I thought and data also showed up at Think Analytics I talked to Lou Bolden who's the new chief's chief strategy officer and Peter Doherty who's um, who's the uh, GM there and they were talking about how they were bringing real targeted data driven, of course, by AI to pay TV. They apparently they're able to create uh, they've they've created 160 different affinity models based on pay TV household data from the from the pay TV operators. And get this, they say they can increase the accuracy of the delivery of ads they say, you know, usually in pay TV, when you place an ad, you're going to you're going to reach something like one percent in, in the worst case of the people that you were looking for. They can get that up to 90 percent, they said. So it looks like a really great tool for bringing targeting to traditional pay TV. Um, fast channels were, uh, of course, a big theme, Will. Um, and they showed up in many, many different ways. I mentioned First Light Media and First Light is really focusing on the infrastructure of, of being able to easily deliver uh, these streaming channels to various fast providers. Uh, BitCentral has an SDK now. If you want to add a live guide to any app, you can just use BitCentral's SDK and create this live live guide. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. So now anybody can add a fast channel guide to their um, app. And I actually think this is going to be a big trend. So there were so many other things that were going on, but th- those were really some of the major themes I saw at the show. And uh, boy, uh, a lot going on there. So AI, data, and fast channels, it sounds like. Are those the um, key themes or anything Those else? are the key themes. Measurement was also big and cloud. Yeah. And, and, you know, pretty much the whole and workflow cloud. now is moving into the cloud. So those are really the major themes that I saw that really jumped out at me while I was there. Yeah. How was the show overall, Colin? Was it, you know, obviously it was smaller than years past, but did it still feel pretty, you know, hustle bustle? It did. And I, I, many of the people that I regularly see at the show were there. It was great to be able to wander the halls and bump into people I hadn't seen in a couple of years. 
That was really good. Uh, but as you say, I think the flow was down a little. Um, it could have been because the West Hall is a little bit separated from the North and Central Halls, which is where the rest of the show was. Uh, so I didn't spend any time at all over there. But yeah, I felt like it was a little bit quieter. They said that they had 52,000 registered. They didn't say how many people actually attended. I will say one thing. It was weird to see so many people all together without masks. <laughs> was, yeah. <laughs> I went to one launch party and kind of freaked out because everybody was packed in there and no masks. So uh, No masks at all. Yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty amazing. But anyway, great, uh, great event. And I really enjoyed being there and seeing everybody again. Good. Well, we've covered Comcast, YouTube, and NAB show today, and we did that all in just over 20 minutes. So that's that's pretty good for us, isn't it? A lot of value for money in, in today's podcast, Will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing, nothing beats free also, right? <laughs> that's absolutely true. <laughs> okay, good. Well, let's keep it at that, Colin. Good chatting, as always, of course. And uh, thanks to all of our listeners for listening in on this week's edition of Inside the Street. And we will see you all again next week. Inside the Stream is a production of InScreen Media and Video News. All rights reserved.